We're here, and we are ready to worship this morning. <laughs> well, good morning, Trinity. It's good to see so many familiar faces, and it's good to see some new faces, and a few faces that are new-ish, but I know you've been here a couple times now, so like, I, I take note, I take note. Um, we've come to worship the Lord. We've come to worship the Lord that changes us, right? We've come to worship the Lord that loves us and that moves in us to love others. We've come to worship the Lord that sees us where we are indeed, but also who calls us to where he is. Yeah? I mean, that's, I think that's probably where a line gets drawn for a lot of folks. Yes, all the fish can come into the boat. All of them, right? The net goes into the water and anything gets in the net comes into the boat. Uh, but then, as the analogy goes, the Lord cleans the fish, right? And that's, that's where we are this morning. We're coming to worship that God who has, who has identified us, who has called us, who has drawn us to himself, who has given us the ability to see him for who he is. And then by his power, we are made new, right, into his likeness, the fullness of maturity. Uh, th thank you, Gary. Amen. Indeed. Indeed. And... So that's, that's where we are. That's the path we're on. That's what Dan's been talking about for a month now, right? That path of growing, of discipleship. Uh, and this morning, that's the call, right? If you're on the path, move to the next step. And if you're not on the path, let's get on the path, right? It's there for everybody. The door is wide, but the path is narrow, all right, so if you would stand with us this morning, we're going to begin to sing, we're going to pray, we're going to worship Jesus, we're going to stand and hear the word and let it wash over us this morning. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in our heart that makes us different today. name let angels prostrate fall bring forth the royal diadem and crown him lord of all bring forth the royal diadem and
C.S. Lewis, a beautiful apologist and a spectacular poet. We just finished Magician's Nephew last night. There's a passage that just, I cry. My daughter knows, so she looks, she's like, you crying? Of course I'm crying. I'm always crying because it's about Jesus. But it says that our two little heroes, Diggory and Polly, they look into the face of Aslan, a lion, the creator lion, the king of all creation, right? Who does that sound like? That's right. It says they look into the face of Aslan and it shines with waves of golden light. And as he looks on them, it seems as though there has never been a worry or a care in the world. And for the brevity of the moment, it could have been an eternity. And when they walked away from that moment, however short it was, they would always remember that they had been there. And then it says that it stayed with them their entire lives. I think some of us have had moments like that in worship, in prayer, in fellowship, where Jesus comes and you sense him, you feel his presence. And that's my prayer for us this morning, that we would feel that, that we would see his face, right? The waves of golden light pouring out over us. If you've not had that experience, ask for 
because he is living, he is active, he hears, and he desires to be near. That's what it's all about. Oh, creep. 
Probably worth a little more. I'm, this is not a, an appeal. I'm just saying he's probably worth a little more applause, you know? Woo! <laughs> like, our, our nature recognizes the battle. Our nature recognizes the battle. And it's Super, Do Super Bowl Sunday, blah, blah, blah. Like, two, two groups of men are going to smash each other in bits, and people all over are going to go crazy. I know this comes up every year. But while we were singing, I thought of the larger battle, right? Like, that was in my mind, the larger battle. Like, the battle for our souls, the battle for our lives, the battle for our friends. And he just wastes the enemy on our behalf, right? Right, that's, that's, why, that's why I sing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. We adore you, Lord. With all creation, with all creation we sing. If we were silent, Jesus, the trees, the stones, the sky, the birds, every living thing would sing your praises. God, we're just trying to be as faithful as they are. So we glorify you this morning. Come, change us, move us, be near us. Amen. Kids, you are dismissed for Sunday school. While they're making their way downstairs, just kind of curious, because I was thinking of the battle that's going on later today. <clears throat> How many of you are going to be rooting on the Patriots, right? 
Yeah. It's going to be yeah, it's going to be a quiet game, but but uh, it's going to be a great one. It's all going to be up here in my mind. But uh, hopefully you guys are uh, planning your celebration time together. I'm sure it'll be a great time. Hey, uh, as we spend, as we prepare to spend some time in God's Word this morning, uh, I wonder uh, if what we just sang is really true for you, right? If it's really true for you that, that God is your everything, that the, that the adoration of your heart is Christ himself. I mean, it's a, it's a question we should kind of sit with and think about. It's a question that actually impacts how we grow as children of God, as followers of Jesus. We have this lemon tree down here in front, which, by the way, it's growing fruit. It's growing fruit. It's taking some time, but it's growing fruit. I'm telling you what, people, I have never grown a living, well, aside from my children, I've never grown a living thing that's actually survived and done this well, as far as I'm aware. Well, no, 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 I take that back. I grew some pumpkins one time. But anyway, the point is, you know, growth takes time. Growth takes intentionality. Maturing in the love of God, and not just in becoming an obedient follower of Christ, but sorry, uh, growing as a child of God who's embraced God's love, who, who firmly uh, uh, has um, assimilated God's love into their life, that takes time. That, that takes the, the intentionality of, of leaning into those places that say, uh, God, I, I want to adore you. I, I want to I pursue you. So the question we asked this morning, what, what are the things that you adore? You adore raindrops on roses, whiskers on kittens, right? No singing that song. I'm not going to sing it. You shouldn't either. Do you adore throwing your sweatpants on after a long day and plopping down on the couch and watching some TV? <laughs> Woo. Do you adore, uh, adore uh, coming home late at night after a day that you feel satisfied you spend working hard at the office? What is it you adore? A, a sizable balance in your checking account? A, a delicious meal? The question we have to wrestle with is, what is it that I adore with my being, with my whole soul, with all that I am? What is it that I long for, that I, I, I'm, I'm leaning into, I'm, I'm pressing forward, I'm, I'm striving to, to take hold of? So I think it's an important question that we ask because typically what we adore the things that we hold before us, that we long for, that we pursue, that we go after, typically those things are the things that determine the trajectory of our lives, the direction of, uh, uh, the, that our lives are heading in, the, the things we do. Jesus uh, says in Matthew six twenty one, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you adore shapes the direction of your life, the path that you're living, the things you pursue, the, the quality of the, the life that you're going after. And what I want us to understand is that the life of discipleship, of following Jesus, is pursuing that treasure of Jesus Christ himself. Right? It, it, it's, it's getting to a place or acknowledging that the life that you spend pursuing Jesus is your greatest delight. And as a result of that, you are embracing all the blessings and gifts it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What we treasure has a way of shaping and building our adoration of God, right? 
And I even, there are times when I can't say that the focus of my heart is on God. And yet when I come here to worship with you all, when, when we lift our voices in song, when we spend time in prayer, when we're invited into that space to quietly think about God, to consider him and consider the things he's done, to reflect on his, uh, on his beauty and the blessing it is to, to have lived with God. When I come here to worship him with you, I'm reminded of the fact that my heart's first love is God himself. And it almost reorients me. It gives me strength. It reminds me of the wisdom of walking in faith with him. This morning, we're looking at another step in our discipleship pathway. The pathway that we've determined is the pathway that we're living on and growing on together at Trinity. You know, it's not, it's not a ladder, it's not a, a stairway where there's some of us who are further up on the stairs and looking down at those behind us. It's this ongoing, continual, eternal pathway where we spend loving God, loving others, serving others, and keep growing. It's this idea that we find in the scriptures where God has called us into this relationship with him where we are called to love him first and foremost, the greatest commandment of all the scriptures. The second is like it, to love others as ourselves. You know, if we can be faithful to those two commandments, the Bible is a big book, but Jesus himself says that, that all the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments, to love God and to love others. But you can't love God and you can't love others without stepping out and having that, the, 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 the practical side of loving others with serving others. And then understanding that our life in Christ is one that continues on and on and on. Not because of our own efforts, mind you, but because of God's work in our lives. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he says that, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. On the day when Christ returns, you will be fully mature, fully uh, created in the image of God and seen in the image of Jesus. And that's a work that he will continue doing in you as you, as you pursue him on this pathway until Christ returns. We beat ourselves up when we're not as good as we think we should be or, or as faithful as we should be in this area of our lives. And yet what we have to understand is you can't hold yourself to the standard of perfection without Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, we set him as the thing that our heart desires, the person, the one for which we long for and desire, the treasure of our soul. And Paul reminds us of this, not just in the words that he shares with us, but the, the life he lives. We all have a, a story to tell. Do you, do you agree with that? We all have a, a life that kind of, as we look back at, we can uh, kind of understand how God has worked uniquely in our lives or the, the experiences we've had. You are the person you are today because of the, the life that you uh, have been living up to now and the people that have invested in you, the experiences you've had. Paul has a story to tell. And as he tells his story, I believe he gives us a picture of what it looks like to be on this pathway of continually growing in Christ, to keep growing in Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look at a passage in Philippians in chapter 3, verses 8 through 14, which is kind of partway through Paul's story. But but we'll, we'll get to the fullness of Paul's story. But, but I want us to pay attention to this because as we do, I hope we understand the benefit, the value of seeing our lives uh, not as a finished product, 
but of this ongoing process of growing in Christ, a person who is moldable and and transformable by Christ himself as we pursue him, as we long for him, as we adore him. He's not some product that we want to go and purchase and, and, and put in our toolbox. He's the adoration of our hearts. So let me read for us from Philippians chapter 3, and I'll pick up in verse 8 and then read through to verse 14. Paul says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this chance to spend time in your word. What you have said, how you have spoken, how you you have revealed yourself to us through your church. Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to embrace your truth this morning. May may talking about the love of God and the truth of God and the relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ not be this idea or an abstract thought, but may you make it a reality in our hearts and our lives this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, it it may not seem to us at first glance that Paul's describing uh, his transformation in Christ-likeness, but but he's actually describing a time in his place, or uh, sorry, a a, a time in his life when he embraced the gospel for himself for the first time. He, He says, I count all things, everything, as a loss. Now, Paul's taking an inventory of his life. But he's not taking the kind of inventory that we kind of maybe initially think when we hear count, right? He's not saying, okay, these are the number of times I failed God. These are the number of times I think I did pretty good by God. Well, let's, you know, like, let's see how they balance out. Let's see how they measure. That's not what he's saying when he says count. What, what he's really trying to say is, as I look back on my life, as I evaluate the things I've seen and done and the, the, the things that kind of characterize who I am now, I'm, I'm going to kind of discern, I'm, I want to evaluate What's the value of those things? How, is, how have they all come together to kind of uh, build or give a, a value to who I am as a, as a human being, as a follower of Christ? Now, we don't always allow ourselves that opportunity to do that, do we? I mean, we, we could have the time. We, we say we're busy. I think that if it's worth our time, we'll make the time for it. But we don't always allow ourselves the time and the space to actually reflect on our lives. Why? Well, I think it's a scary thing, Right? I think we're afraid of some of the things we're going to see, whether uh, missed opportunities or those places where we, uh, we know we should be ashamed, but we don't want to go there and think about it because we don't want to have to deal with the pain of thinking about those places where we do feel ashamed or guilty. Right? It's not exactly um, an easy or simple process to, to sit back and evaluate your life, to consider uh, who you are and how God has shaped you through the various experiences you've had. I get it. 
I've got some pretty cringeworthy moments. I'm not going to list them here. I'm not going to count them before all of you this morning, but, but I get it. <laughs> no, not do it, Tara. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've got an angel on one shoulder and a wife on the other shoulder. Who's <laughs> <laughs> we all have those experiences, right? We've all got those moments in our lives that we can reflect on. But we don't allow ourselves the space to do that, to think about those things, to consider, to count them as, as wins or losses, as do they add up to the, the character of Christ-likeness or not. And I certainly don't encourage you to, to do that in front of other people, but, but to take that time between you and God to say, God, what is the, the quality, what's the, 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 the fullness of my life based on the work you've done in and through me, right? Well, this morning, Paul is looking back at his life and he says, I consider it a waste of time. I consider it a loss. I count everything as a loss. Nothing, nothing good, right? But, but here's the thing. It's not just that there's nothing good. It's not like he's looking back and saying, well, you know, I've, I've lied, I've cheated, I, I've done this, I, I've, I've murdered, I've done, you know, I, I held coats while people were throwing rocks at a man. Like, he's not doing that. He's actually looking back at his life, and if you, in a few moments I'll read a few verses for us, but if you notice, he's counting the good things of his life as a loss. He's, he's counting the things that, that, that people of his day would have credited to him as a win and saying, no, that's a loss, Right? We didn't read the, the words in Philippians 3, 3 through 7, the first part of our chapter, but, but by the world standards, these are things that you would want to see on your, uh, on your Facebook profile or, or, uh, or maybe your resume. They're things that, that you could be proud of by the world standards, right? Listen to how Paul describes his life starting in verse 3. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, Though I myself, I have reason for confidence in the flesh, right? If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ, He's saying, I, I'm, I, I've built my tower of, of worldly accomplishments, and I consider them all as a loss for the sake of pursuing Jesus, right? And he, he, he's got plenty of reasons to celebrate, you know, the, the place in life that he was born into, the people of God. He's, he's a chosen one of God, Right? He, his family was obedient to the law. He was circumcised on the eighth day. That's, that's a commandment that's given in the law that his family was obedient to. He, he was someone who was passionate to protect the law, to, to, to kind of keep the integrity of the law as, as, as was taught him, right? I mean, so much so that, that he, again, I kind of mentioned it, but he held coats while, while those stoned Stephen, one of the, the followers of Christ, Right? He, he was passionate about the law and, 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 and bringing to justice anyone who he thought was offending the law of God. What about us? I've got this excellent career. I've got a good income. I, I think I've been pretty successful thus far, right? Our family has healthy relationships with one another. Kids are in a great school. 
We care about our neighbors. We're happy. We're comfortable, right? Nothing. Count it all as a loss. Paul's telling us it means, it means nothing. James says in his letter that, that faith without works is dead. Paul says that, that the use of our spiritual gifts without love is, is empty and meaningless. And here's the thing that I think Paul's telling us here. He's saying righteousness apart from Christ is meaningless. It's not nothing. Paul had spent his whole life building up a, a sense of, of looking good in God's eyes, trying his best to be obedient, being passionate about God's way, putting God first in so many ways, and yet he did it in his own power, in his own flesh. He did it apart from Christ. And he came to a point in his life where he realized no matter how much of a, of, of a successful life he could build in this world, it was nothing apart from Christ, apart from Jesus. See, there's going to come a time where you, like Paul, will take measure of your life. There's going to come a time where you're going to look back over your life and kind of consider what things you, you appreciate and remember from your childhood, those moments that were uh, hurtful and dangerous and, and, and transformative from a younger year to now, and, and you're going to follow that trajectory through your life. You're going to, you're going to take account of your life, of your life, right? You're going to take measure of your life. And, and as you look back at how far you've come in life, apart from Christ, you're going to realize you've come not as far as you thought you would. Your tower is built not as high as you thought it would be built without Christ. You look back and, and realize that, hey, you're a nice person, but that's not going to be enough. You're, you're okay at living life the way you've been designed to live it, but that's not really enough. And I think it's at this point that we realize that, that the very best of our own efforts are still meaningless without Jesus. Jesus is someone who gives our lives purpose, meaning. It, it, he makes our lives more than about ourselves, but about God and about him. See, God's grace meets us where we're at when we have the capacity to accept that God maybe really does love us and find us worthy of his love in sending his son to make a way that we could have a relationship with him. See, in Paul's story, when he was on the road to Damascus in the days that followed, he learned that none of the things that he thought made him successful were of any value, right? In fact, he calls them, he calls them rubbish. He uses the Greek word skybala. Which, which means uh, trash, waste, dung, right? It's, it's not a, he's not painting a pretty picture of what he thinks of those cre uh, the, the uh, um, kind of credentials that he shared with us in the beginning of Philippians chapter 3. So when you throw away trash, you're not just kind of passing it off. And, and we've got this saying, uh, one person's trash is another person's treasure. We're not talking about something that could be a treasure for someone else. Paul's talking about the kind of trash that's so horrid, so ridiculously bad, that you throw it away to get it far away from you, and you never look back at it. You never consider it again. You never think of it with, with fondness or, or warm feelings, because that would be kind of embracing an old lifestyle that never brought you to a place of satisfaction and contentment. This is Paul's view of his past. His obedience to the law his passion for the law, his rights as one of God's chosen people, 
None of it helped him get any closer to God. None of it actually helped him to grow any more mature in the person that God had called him to be. None of it held any value. It was a waste. It wasn't worthy of anything. But here's the thing. Paul's not just speaking of his past here. He's not just looking at these past verses. Paul's past is his past, but, but because he's found something far greater to pursue. right? You and me, we have a past. We have a past that maybe we're even proud of. We have a past that, 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 that we think of with warm feelings. But when we're constantly looking back at our past, we're missing the gift and the promise we have right in front of us through Jesus Christ. God has a gift in front of us. He's offered it to us today. Paul's past is his past, but he's pursuing something far greater. Look at verse 10 and 11. Uh, Paul's desires have shifted here. Rather than valuing the, the righteousness that he's had in the past, his, 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 his values have shifted towards something far greater. He wants to know Jesus. He wants to know Christ and know him in, intimately. He says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul, Paul adores Christ. What is it you adore? What is it that you, I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm hungry right now, but that's not news. But, but like, so I think about things, right? Like even right now, I'm, I'm standing here, we're, we're spending time in God's word, and, and sometimes your mind goes, oh, I'm getting hungry, right? I, listen, I get it. I, I understand. That's, we're thinking about things like that. We're thinking about this afternoon. We're thinking about the things we have to do. There are things that capture our attention. Where does Jesus capture your attention? What percentage of your life does he take hold of and do you think about him? And this morning in our adult disciples class, we, we talked about uh, persistently being in prayer, praying continuously, coming before the Lord and lifting our, the things of our hearts before him uh, throughout the day. But I think to do that, you have to recognize that Jesus is the one whom which you adore and pursue and pursue passionately. Paul's talking uh, about growing by pursuing Jesus, saying, this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what matters to my life is pursuing Christ. Because I know that if I pursue Christ, those other things will fall into place. I'm hungry for relationship. I'm, I'm hungry to feel like I've, I matter. I, val, I'm, I have value. I, I, in, I can influence other people. Trust me, if you learn to pursue Christ first and foremost, not just, I want that, but passionately go after Christ, those things will fall into place. He will, he will meet every desire of your heart that honors him because he brings your will, your desires in line with his. He transforms you. This is how we grow. This is how we walk that pathway that we talked about. When we pursue Christ, he keeps us on this pathway of following after him. You know the, the story, uh, the book, The Little Pilgrim's Progress? And, and Pilgrim, um, sorry, Christian is this little boy who, who is, uh, he receives this, this letter from the king inviting him to come and join him in the celestial city. 
And so Christian has to determine to leave uh, the, the city he's been living in and to follow that letter, to, to, to pursue living with the king in the celestial city. You know what that requires? It means walking the pathway that the king has invited him to walk, staying on that pathway. And he faces many dangers along the way in this story, many temptations to, 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 to step off the path for a little bit, take a little rest, go play in this city over here. Look at all the fun things they've got going on, all the music and noise and celebrations. Go do that for a little bit. There's all these temptations he faces, but the one thing that gets him up and gets him back on the path and going forward is that his heart's desire is to be with the king and to, to, to be with his mother again in the celestial city. What is it that, that drives us forward? What are the desires? What's the, what's the adoration of our heart that, that's determining the trajectory of our life? Is it success? Is it comfort? Is it happiness? Is it Christ? What is it? You have to determine that for yourself. Paul says that I've come to a place in my life where I realize that all those other things that I thought mattered don't matter a, a bit. What matters to me now is that I want to know him. I don't want to get Jesus in my life. I want to know him, right? In the depth of my soul, I want to understand the love of God that's been given to me in Jesus Christ. I want to understand who he's made me to be. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul talks about this, by the way, in Romans chapter 6. He talks about the, the idea of baptism, that we're baptized into Christ's death so that as we are raised again out of the water, we're, we're symbolically, we're raised to new life, Right? That's why we celebrate baptisms, is to celebrate this opportunity where someone has determined to share with Christ in his sufferings, to die with Christ so that we might live with him, live in this new life. Not that we could get Jesus, but that we can know him intimately and personally and let him transform our lives from the inside out. See, Paul, Paul adores Christ, and he realizes that this is what it looks like for him to keep growing. To allow God to, to, to stir his affections for more of Jesus. Paul goes on to say in verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, to keep growing as disciples of Christ, we need to shift our goals a little bit, right? We have to shift our perspective a little bit. We, we have to shift our focus onto knowing Jesus. Not, not learning more about what the Bible says, necessarily. That's a step. That's a, that's a, a way to knowing Jesus more intimately. Not, not to make sure I'm, uh, I'm sitting in, in, in the pews on Sunday morning, although that's a part of the process, right? That we worship with God's people, that we learn to love God, but that we make it our, our desire, our focus, our goal, our, our, our value to know Christ personally and intimately. This is not just an objective wrestling with truth that we do when, it, when, it, when we talk about coming to Christ, 
This is a matter of our head and our heart. It's a matter of recognizing what are my affections? What do I desire? Who do I long for? Is it in line with what God offers us in Jesus Christ? See, it's not unusual for us to love and worship the creation rather than the creator. Paul says that, right? Paul says that in Romans. He talks about how we, we, we fall in love with the creation rather than the creator. We love rest. We love comfort. We love being uh, happy more than the one we recognize who created rest. The one who understands we, we need that sense of comfort and refuge. We, we love pursuing these feelings rather than the, the, the author of those feelings. And Paul says no more. Paul's determined to press on, to strain forward, to keep, keep straining forward until he reaches the, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That goal is an invitation into God's love, the Father's love that's made available to us through Christ Jesus. Right? The, the life of Christ is one that makes a way for us to embrace all of that God is. Because what Christ has done on our behalf. See, God's, God's calling Paul, Paul home to his own heart, to the heart of Jesus. Growing up on the, in a neighborhood, we would oftentimes play outside after school, and we would play until dinner time. And you can imagine, I wasn't necessarily in my front yard when it became dinner time, so mom would go out on the front step and she would ring this cowbell. <laughs> At least that's what it was like, it was a bell. It wasn't a cowbell, but I always felt like I was cowbell, like calling the cows home for dinner, right? Also because I was a big boy and I like food, right? But anyway, God's calling us home. He's standing on the porch of heaven, ringing that bell saying, come home. Make Christ your greatest desire. uh, Let him stir your affections for more of him. Keep on this pathway, press on, strain forward, Understand that there is a goal before you, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's calling us home to embrace his love, to allow him to transform us, to, to unite not only our union with Christ, our, 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 our oneness with him, our intimacy, but also the righteousness of Christ is given to us through Christ's death on our behalf and his resurrection. Listen, listen to how David describes his own passionate pursuit of God. He says this in Psalm 42. As a deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. This is the most poetic way of, of depicting a longing for God. As a deer pants for water, right? Charles Spurgeon once said, I thank thee that this which is a necessity of my new life is also its greatest delight. So I do at this hour feed on thee. Right? Spending time with God has become his, his life's greatest delight. What is it you delight in, Right? That's not a word we necessarily use every day. So think about that a little bit. What is it you delight in? What brings you joy? I'm not talking about like what, what helps you unplug and, and kind of turn your brain off. What is it you take joy in and delight in? I, I'm one who, 
uh, I admit it, I confess, I like to turn my brain off sometimes, right? Man, I want to think about what is it I delight in? How is Jesus my delight, right? Nothing nothing stirs my love for Jesus like sitting quietly with with him before the rest of my house wakes up. Having that time of, of quiet with God it, a, a kind of a, a sense of solitude, especially when it's dark out, right? Because I, I feel more like I'm in a cave or an enclosed space. I feel like I'm in that place of solitude with Jesus. That stirs my affections for him. Gives me uh, the sense of attention and, and attentiveness to him. What, what stirs your affection for Jesus? What moves you closer to him? Sometimes I, I like to read books. I remember the first book that I ever noticed stirred my affection for Jesus was a Max Lucado book. It's called The Great House of God. I mean, I was underlining things in that book. I was circling things. He, he stirred my affection for him in such a way that my faith grew. My desire for him grew. I, 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 there was only space in my heart to desire so much. And you know what? I, I had to get rid of some of the desires I was dealing with at that, that point in my life, and my desire became more of Jesus. Right? What is it that stirs your affections? Trinity, I want to encourage you. Press on. Strain forward. Let, let's not make this about us uh, trying to make ourselves look like more mature Christians. Let's make this a matter of stirring our affections for more of Jesus. His goodness, his righteousness, his justice, his peace, his love, his graciousness, his compassion. There are so many words to describe who our God is. And you can come to know them personally and intimately in the life of Christ. Press on, Trinity. Let's dedicate our lives to being on this path of of growing as disciples, in this discipleship pathway. Let's love God. Let's, let's love others. Let's serve others, and let's keep growing in Christ. If you're here this morning, and you haven't yet chosen to make Christ your life's pursuit, I want to remind you of something, and I want to encourage you to respond. I want to remind you that God's whole purpose in sending Jesus was so that he could have a relationship with you. Sin is a very real thing. I mean, it doesn't take much to, to realize that, that sin is a real thing in our world, but sin's a real thing in my heart, in our hearts, right? We have to wrestle with this fact that there is something in our lives that separates us from God, and yet God sent his son Christ to come into this world to remove the obstacle of sin, to remove that barrier that separates us from God so that we can know God personally and intimately, a, a, a knowledge of our our heads and our hearts. Jesus' death cleared away for us so that we can now be with God. And so that when God now sees us, he sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Paul's passage that we read this morning talked about bringing together the righteousness of God in Christ with this union, this intimacy with Christ. It's not just about having a strong relationship with Jesus and trusting him, but it's about taking for ourselves the, the righteousness of God that's made available to us and, and realizing that our filthy rags are gone and we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But for this to be true for you, you have to decide if you believe that to be true. And this is where I encourage you to respond, right? Do you believe that, 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 that you are loved by God? 
Do you believe that, that he sent Christ to, to offer you forgiveness? Do you believe that your life can be an endless pursuit of delighting in Jesus and knowing him more? Not just that God would save you from your sins, but that he would invite you into this life of, of knowing him and pursuing him more and delighting in him. So I know firsthand of the love that God has for you in Christ. I know because I have received that love myself. But here's the thing. I, I want this for you as well, but I know that the only way uh, for you to receive it is for you to believe it for yourself. I can't believe it for you. That's a gift that God offers you, and I, I believe he does offer you, each and every one of us here this morning. He offers that gift that we must receive ourselves through believing that, that it's true. Now, hear me out for a second. You may be sitting here saying, I don't know that I'm that lovable. It's not based on you. Do you believe that what God says is true, that he says he loves you? that he desires to be in a relationship with you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up because in a moment we're going to have a chance to sing a, uh, another worship song and, and to celebrate uh, together, to make it the determin of, determination of our heart to pursue Christ and Christ alone with our lives. But before we do, I want to let you know that we're going to be ha having the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It, it's a meal that the people of God gather together to celebrate what Christ has done on our behalf, that when his body was broken and his blood was shed, that, that, we, were, that, that we had the opportunity to be cleansed of our sins and not just be cleansed, but, but literally our sinful selves die with Christ so that we might be raised to new life with him. So just as he is raised to life, we too will be raised to new life, not just in eternity someday, but now. We have a new life to live into. And so we celebrate that. Jesus invites all of his disciples to gather around that table to celebrate that, not just as an act of remembrance, but a reminder of our union with Christ and our joining together in the body of Christ. And that's meant for all those who have, uh, have put their faith in Christ, who have made it the, their determination to make Christ their main, their whole, their, their sole pursuit. Now listen, this morning, if you're not there and you haven't made that decision, again, I would invite you to, to, to spend this time intentionally still to consider what God is stirring in your heart, what he is inviting you into. Because our lives are transformed when we pay attention to and consider the work that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives as he transforms us. This new relationship with God is a gift. And it's a gift we receive by faith. See, our, our resumes of the past, they're trash. The lives we build in our own efforts, our own, our own uh, skill, waste, dung, trash. We, we throw it away. We don't even look at it anymore. It's of no value. But in throwing that away, we embrace this life, which, again, we didn't, we didn't build with our own gifts or abilities, our own skills, our own uh, achievements. We just embrace the life that Christ offers us. And it's a life where we keep growing as we follow him. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to take the time to respond to God in prayer. This next song we'll sing together. I, I would encourage you to feel free to pray right where you are. 
You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to come forward and pray. I would encourage you to pray right where you are. Maybe this morning, this is the opportunity where you want to stop looking at your past achievements and say, they mean nothing. You mean everything, Jesus. And allow him to do that work in you, to accept the gift he offers us of new life and forgiveness. Maybe for you this morning, this is the opportunity for you to take this time in prayer to to kind of breathe new life into your pursuit of Jesus. To, to, to mark today on the calendar, February 2nd of 2020, as a day where you, where you recommitted yourself to pursuing Jesus with vigor. May this be the day that you do that. Allow yourself the space and time to spend time with God in prayer as we sing this song together that the, the uh, worship team will lead us in. Trinity, I want so badly for us to keep growing in Christ. But no matter how much I want it, you have to want it too. You have to believe it. You have to take it for yourself and pursue him wholeheartedly. So let's do that now. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a verse and chorus of this. And uh, you're looking at me that my vision didn't know there was a chorus, but it's simple. We sing hallelujah. And as we sing a verse and a chorus and we prepare for communion, we're going to come back to this, this same, this same uh, heartbeat of music, right? As we take the bread.
so as we mentioned, that we have the opportunity to gather around the Lord's table and celebrate his supper, uh, it's an invitation for us to consider this relationship that God invites us to embrace. And so the invitation truly is for anyone who's put their faith in Christ to, to join us at the table, to celebrate what Christ has done. That, that through his death and resurrection, he has made a way for us to be united with Christ, to experience that intimacy, but to experience that intimacy because he has also clothed us in his righteousness. He's clothed us in forgiveness. He's clothed us in God's grace. And so we're, we're told that uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Kurt, would you give thanks for the body of Christ broken for us? Lord, we thank you for your ultimate sacrifice for us. You took the trash of our sins and cleansed them with your death on the cross. And now we're able to Come into your presence and the Father's presence through your sacrifice. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
And so Jesus invites his followers in these words. He says, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Nick, would you give thanks for the new covenant and the shed blood of Christ? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just overwhelmed with uh, how much you love us and uh, with... Uh, the sacrifice of Jesus is body and blood for us, Lord, and um, how we're not worthy of that gift, but you chose us anyway, and uh, forgive us for our sins, Lord, and we just thank you for that. We couldn't do it on our own, and, and we just love you. Amen. Amen. Stay. 
he returns till he returns and calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand So Jesus invites us, do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, I thank you because I I do know and understand there's a battle that's being waged and it runs right through the heart of every man and woman. It's a battle for good and evil, right and wrong, truth and lies. And Lord, you have made a way to defeat that evil through Christ, through his death and resurrection. Lord, we thank you for the new covenant we have in Christ, that when he died and shed his blood, he instituted a new covenant, a covenant we can fully embrace and be obedient to through faith in him alone. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that you would continue to do a work in all of our hearts, that we would be able to receive that gift, that we would allow ourselves to surrender into your arms, to see you standing on the porch of heaven, ringing that bell, calling us home. May we receive that that prize. May we strive for, strain forward for for that prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And may we all recognize the possibility of that through Christ's death and his resurrection. And so we give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers come forward, we're going to introduce a new song to you guys this morning. Um, Some of the words are going to be very familiar to you while the melody is new, Um, but there's just one part of the song I want you to sing with us. It's very easy. It goes like this. Awesome. Now here's the part that's going to be familiar, but new. It goes like this. Let me make sure I'm in the right spot. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Good morning. I have about four things that I'd like to share with you. And the first thing is the breakfast for the ladies in the gathering hall this coming Saturday, February the 9th at 9 a.m. Ladies, if you haven't been to one of our breakfasts, you might want to talk to somebody who has been because it might be something that you could be interested in. We have games, we give away door prizes, and we have a speaker, and we have a theme. The theme this time is yesteryear. Our wonderful speaker is our sweet Nina Garofalo, Skip and Kathy's daughter. I will be in the lobby selling tickets after the service. The second thing is that we are going to have our annual meeting here in the sanctuary on February the 16th. We're going to have a heavier coffee hour because we want to hold you over through service in the meeting. And then after the meeting, we're going to have a lunch in the gathering hall. There's a food thing going on here, right, Pastor Dan? (laughs) Thirdly, I'd like to let you know that on the um, information booth, if you haven't seen them already, the um, financial statements are there for you to look over. We do have some people from the finance team in the library to answer any questions or concerns that you might have, not only this week, but next week. And then finally, if you haven't picked up your um, giving statements, they are also at a table in the lobby for you to pick up. Thank you for your attention. God bless, and have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Celine is the woman in our office who loves people. So if you come into our office, the rest of the staff, we don't really love people, but she does. No, actually, we all love people, but you know some people are just particularly gifted in certain areas. She is, she is that. I come to her when I'm having a hard day. So hopefully uh, you hear those words from her and be excited for what God's doing through her. The women's breakfast, I'm sure, will be a great time. So. Uh, Hey, uh, before we close our time, uh, I just want to encourage you as you think about the annual meeting to to approach it prayerfully, meaningfully. Um, I I hope, hopefully it's clear, I I want us to grow. Like, I don't want us to just look more like Christians. I really want us to grow in Christ-likeness. It's a a passion in my heart. And um, I think I said when I I first started uh, last January with you all as the the, uh, senior pastor, uh, it is my desire not that you would follow me, or, or make it about me, but that you would follow Jesus with me. And, and I hope that that's what we do. Part of what you'll notice in the, the annual report is a, a little bit of an increase of our budget. Uh, we uh, increased what we gave last year, so our giving out, we outgave what our budget was, which is excellent and it's exciting. But the elders have been prayerfully considering some things and asked that we maybe set a budget even a little bit higher than that in faith. Um, You may know that uh, as of last January, we stepped from two pastors and one executive administrator down to one full-time pastor and one executive administrator. But then this year, we also lost Becky, who was our uh, executive administrator. And so uh, I have been working with our outstanding staff and outstanding elders to kind of piece things together and make it work, and we are doing really well. But I'm hungry to see us grow even more, and, and I need help with that. 
So I've asked that we consider hiring an additional pastor to join with me in caring for the discipleship ministries of our church, helping think strategically with me, uh, kind of help oversee some of the staff things with me, uh, someone to really partner with me from a pastoral standpoint. Uh, it, it is, uh, you know, God is doing something really exciting in our church. And it's, it's change, it's hard, it's, it's not uh, all enjoyable, but I think God has got some great things in the future for us as we, as we pursue him wholeheartedly uh, and passionately as we, as we spoke this morning through Paul's life. So um, I just mentioned that so that you know, if you notice a difference in the salary line item, that's what that's about, is that we're going to ask that the congregation would prayerfully consider stepping out in faith to, uh, to seek to bring uh, an additional pastor to, to work alongside me this uh, upcoming year. So just keep that in mind. Think about that and pray for, pray for the annual meeting. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited and looking forward to our time celebrating God's faithfulness and looking forward to the new year. So uh, would you stand as we close our time in worship? If you, by the way, felt led to pray this morning, to accept Christ's gift for the first time, would you please come forward and tell someone? Let us know. We want to help you grow. We want to help kind of connect with you. We want to celebrate with you. So uh, there will be volunteers for prayer off to my left, your right. Would you let them know? They'll connect you to me so that I can reach out and, and certainly come alongside you as you enter into this exciting relationship that you began today. Now receive the benediction. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.